0: Welcome back to Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And this week, Nate has decided to take the things we don't understand, because yes. I think I've done like four, and he's done maybe one. Yes. <laughs> so I said uh, it's his
1: turn, so here he is. So uh, Something... Very relevant that I don't understand. So just just tonight, the Cavs were overwhelmingly beat by the Boston Celtics in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was telling Sheldon before, I expected that they were either going to get blown out by the Celtics or they were going to have a close game that they would win just because after having X amount of time off, and the Celtics coming off the barn burner series that they just did, I knew the Celtics energy level was going to be way higher than the Cavs. So I got basically what I expected tonight. But connected to this, the things I don't understand, I do not understand sports media slash sports talking heads. Oh, yeah. I don't understand it. And the only ones I understand are, are your guys like Barkley or Magic Johnson back when he did it, like guys who have played the game or coached. I'm okay with that. They understand. They know what they're talking about.
0: But some of those guys have the worst takes, even and, though they they played the game. But I
1: I don't get it because it's so it's so incredibly like I love and I, and again I'm gonna admit this even though I don't understand it I watch sports media sports media stuff all the time like I do it's it's a staple for me on YouTube, um, but like Colin Coward for example, uh from from the herd, I love and hate him. Because, like for example, he called out the Indiana series with uh, with the Cavs, and he said, after I think like the second game, he said, oh, the series is over, the Cavs aren't making it out of the first. And as soon as the Cavs beat, all he's talking about is LeBron's greatness and ignoring the fact that he said, oh, they're not even going to make it out of the first round. Like yeah. you, They just constantly are rewriting whatever the narrative is without acknowledging the fact that they were completely wrong. And I can't hardly stand that. The only the only guy I've ever seen in sports media that's actually eaten crow is probably Nick Wright. Last year, when he claimed that the the Cavaliers were going to blow away the Golden State Warriors in the finals, and you know, of course, he kept stretching it out. First, it was Cavs and five, then it was Cavs and six, and oh, Cavs and seven, and then of course they never made it that far anyway. Um, but I I don't understand. Sports media, I don't understand it. It makes so, even less so sense than regular media. So you don't
0: understand like the hot take, and then it completely ignoring that yesterday happened. Yes,
1: like there's no with there's no
0: punditry. You at least have to have a
1: straight. You have some kind of account somewhere. for what you've yeah. said, and people will throw it back in your face. Now but every sports once fandom in a while is a
0: lot that way. Like I know. even even as sports fans, we're not consistent.
1: Right, and we get fickle with our I, even our teams that I we love. I hated
0: Richard Sherman with the Burning <laughs> Passion and now he wears the red and gold and I have to like him. Yeah.
1: But there are certain <laughs> players that that you will never love no matter who they are.
0: I thought Richard Sherman was it.
1: Yeah, no, I've had a couple of them. But but yeah, I If he I, wins
0: a Super Bowl, I don't care. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um but yeah, I I don't get it. I really don't. Um Again, the one of the only guys, and I know I just kind of threw him under the bus, but I do respect Nick Wright because he's a stats guy, and I'm okay with a stats guy having some opinions yeah. because at least that's coming from a place of some kind of knowledge, um, even if you're wrong sometimes. But again, he ate crow when he was wrong. He, he fully admitted it, didn't have a problem, and of course, the Twitterverse raked him over the coals for it, but nonetheless. Um, so yeah, unless I, you're unless you're a stats guy or unless you've actually been in some professional sport where you understand, or even high levels of college. I'll take high levels of college sports, or even the WNBA, which I don't know if that's a professional sport. I'm still trying to figure that out. Oh, dear. (laughs) And our listenership just went down. No. I I go with Dwight Schrute on the WNBA. Uh, What does he say? The question is, WNBA or NBA? One is a sport, one is a joke. I love sports, I love jokes. Room for all. So that's basically (laughs) how I feel about the WNBA. Um, Oh, dear. Anyway. uh, But yeah. Segwaying from that into Yeah, sports media. I don't
0: get it. I don't get it at all. Segwaying from that into our topic for today. The topic at hand today was uh, given to us by, well... We get a lot of our topics from our wives, let's yes. be honest.
1: Yes, it's true. <laughs>
0: it was given to us by Kayla. Yes, so which twas- is my wife, yeah. <laughs> yeah. for those who don't know. And Jess has come up with a lot of the other topics that we haven't really given her credit That's for. That's
1: true. We <laughs> should probably go back and maybe do some some postscript notes on that fact. <laughs> um, giving credit where um, but, it's but due. But tonight we're going to talk about um, either books that were formative for us, books that we read that were like really significant or that we loved growing up, and possibly books that we just absolutely hated but read anyway, uh, yeah. whether by being forced to do so via school or um, because everybody was hyping it and you read it and it was just kind of like... Eh. Well,
0: let's let's first see if we have a couple books in common. Okay. I'm going to guess that we both read The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobes.
1: Absolutely. Let's I try to read this. those, all seven books, every year. I haven't done it in what? the last two years <laughs> because I've been in school, but normally I read all seven books every single year. I actually have them in one... I have. Let me think. I've three different versions of that book and you can look behind me on the bookshelf. I've got one yeah, that I is see them there. I've got one that is the uh all seven books separated in really nice hardbacks that I will eventually read to my children. I've got one that is the tattered beat up all seven books in one paperback.
0: Oh my goodness. And then
1: somewhere here I have a original uh made from the original prints uh all the artwork and like a a coffee table version of gotcha. all seven books. Um. So I, I yeah, I'm a little obsessed with, with the line the Witcher. No, I was just series. looking
0: over Nate's, uh, Nate's bookcase here, which is right behind us in our studio here, and I just saw the Allegiant series. I read all of those. Uh, yeah, Divergent, Resurgent. Yeah, that's those gonna are.
1: come in on my disappointing list, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But first of all, okay, books books in common. So yeah, obviously, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And that was massively... That series, that seven-book series, was actually massively formative for me in that it started to open up my my eyes to different aspects of theology that I would... Even as a young kid, that I never would have considered. Because C.S. Lewis is brilliant enough to be able to insert legitimate theology into his book. Some that is a little bit out there that you got to go searching and think, what yeah. is this? But some that's just your, your basic solid theology. And so that... Really, at at you know 10, 12 years old is what touched off even my interest in theology, uh, just from which of course you start with C.S. Lewis. Anywhere you're going to get to his theological works as well, uh, but that was really formative for me in that sense. Um, and plus, I I started searching cupboards and and closets for <laughs> secret worlds because I just thought maybe maybe it's real.
0: Yeah, and I know. F- Getting into The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, I didn't actually start reading those till probably fifth grade, mm. sixth grade. And, like, my mom read them, too, because she was always aware of what we were into, what right. we were up to. And right. so she was reading them, and for her, like, the fantasy genre is not something that she would go into. Right, like, right, of course. Although witches and wizards and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, not something that she would... Take on, but as she read through them, she became comfortable enough with them to read them to us kids, and it, yeah. and it was read to us in our, in our Christian school too. Like it was something that right. was a part of right. a part of the culture, and, and became something that I got into and, and read all of the books. Now I haven't gone back and read them. I I know the first one. Probably the best, you know, the or I'm the sorry, actual the line the, line that the, wardrobe. the wardrobe. Sorry, yeah. not the Magistans it was the Netflix. it
1: was the first one chronologically. Yeah, though. it was first written.
0: Yeah, and but I did read all of them. One of my favorites was Prince Caspian. That was a really yeah. good one. Um, but yeah, that was a, what's, a very very good series. What's your least favorite of that series? Uh, the Dawn Treader starts off. Kind of like, slow, really slow. Yeah, and it was tough to get into.
1: Yeah, I my least favorite of the entire series is the Silver Chair. Really, that one just bored me okay. to tears. It it it. I think because I lost like I, okay. First of all, Peter was always my favorite character in those books. Agreed. And and he was not only was he gone, but all of the four original children were completely gone by the Silver Chair, and yeah. uh, and I couldn't stand that girl. Jill that, that she was just so whiny and annoying yeah. and 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 Eustace was not enough of an anchor to keep me from being annoyed with that book like you know in in Don Treader you still had Edmund and Lucy yeah. and they were cool and you liked them still and Eustace was almost comic relief annoying yeah um but yeah I I feel like the silver chair was the closest like thing to the a film didn't do well <laughs> The movies don't do well because they always diverge from the book. They yeah. always diverge. I, I actually did not even bother watching. Okay, so I loved the, the new version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Thought yeah. it was great. They took some artistic license, but for the most part, they really stuck to the plot. Um, Prince Caspian, they, they pulled a few things out. Some that you could imply from the book. Like, they, they wrote a whole siege scene of Miraz Castle... Just because somebody mentioned it once in the book, like I think the little mouse, uh, Reepicheep character, he said we should do this, which they all decided not to. But the director was like, "Well, what if they actually decided to do it and it didn't go well?" Which I thought that was intriguing. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. But by the time they got to Don Treader, I could tell just from the previews that they were pulling in things that had nothing to do with it. Just outside, they basically looked at like the Harry Potter series and different things. And said, "Okay, what are what's making this work? Let's use these elements." And I I never even watched that one. Yeah. I was I was done. Um, completely done but yeah they they never and they never get to my favorite book which my favorite book in the entire series is um the horse and his boy that one is my absolute favorite um i don't know what it is about that one i don't know if it's the sneaking around and you know the behind enemy lines kind of feel of it i really don't know but that one has always been my favorite by far and they always they they butcher it enough so they never get to that book. And that would make a great movie. And, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to do compared to some of the fantastical things that you have to do in the others. Cause it mostly takes place outside of Narnia where you don't have these weird mythical creatures. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Let's see. From about that time
0: period, was there anything else that you read um, that I think we might have in
1: I, I read the Boxcar Children series. Yes, read those. Loved those. Yep. I could never figure out what era we were in, whether it was like the 40s or the 60s or the 90s. Like it, it kind of, I never knew what era they were in. Yeah. But, I
0: don't know that I could place it.
1: But they were great. Um, Hardy Boys mystery series, I too. Never read the Hardy Boys. They did like a reboot in the 80s, and that's what I, that's what I read. Not elementary, like the old.
0: Elementary school, I read Encyclopedia Brown.
1: Oh, yeah, a yeah, lot. yeah, like, yeah. I heard about that, but I never really actually read it. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I haven't read it lately. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things, too. It's like I do that with certain movies, too. Like I, I bought The NeverEnding Story in mm-hmm. a $5 bin, which I don't know if you ever saw that. Nope. But I loved it when I was a kid. It was brilliant. And I just there's, there's, this, there's this dude in my brain that's going, if you watch this, it's not going to hold up well, and you're going to be disappointed. And so for probably 10 years, I've had it on my shelf. And I've never watched it again. It's just sitting there, because I don't want to ruin the amazing childhood image of that movie that I have in my head, and I'm afraid I would do it if I yeah. did. And there are some books like that too. Like, I read them at one point. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go back and and uh, and do them again. But again, Chronicles of Narnia, not that way at all. Um, yeah. You know,
0: I didn't. I read the, I read the Hobbit in like eighth grade. Yeah. And never touch the Tolkien series mm-hmm. again, and then only watch the movies. Yeah, they that. Are, was, that, that was a book I didn't do. Like, they
1: they are phenomenal books, but one of the things, and I'm sorry to all, those of you out there that are big Peter Jackson fans. I'm going to apologize now, but I the reading the books made me realize that Peter Jackson may not be that great of a director because. Tolkien is so specific with every bit of imagery that is in his book. I mean, he will take four or five pages just yeah. to describe a meadow that you're about to enter into. has nothing to do with the plot. He just wants to set the scene and make sure you know it. So all, all he had to do was say, okay, here's all the instructions. Here's the angles. Here's the things I'm seeing. And now I'm going to do them. So I'm not convinced that Andrew Jackson is a great director. I know there are some people who disagree. Andrew with Jackson me. was a president. No, I said Andrew Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What is his name? What did I? What Peter, did I Jackson. Peter Jackson. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm sure Andrew Jackson was not a good director. Uh, but yeah, Peter Jackson. I'm not. He wasn't I'm not even sure. A good general. <laughs> no, no, I'm not sure he's a good director. And I know there are some who would argue with me. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, those books are really, really. The hardest part to get through for anybody that's read it is is the musical numbers. And yes, musical. there are multiple
0: My problem was singing. it just seemed like a bit much. It, it like so. I finally got through the Hobbit. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't know up for the rest.
1: You of don't it. know a bit much though until you've read the Silmarillion.
0: Oh, my brother had it. He that read is, the whole thing. That is the, like, that is the that is the bible. This to me. That
1: is the bible of the <laughs> Tolkien universe, quite literally. Ugh. Um, it's it's amazing. I mean, I lo- again, being the information junkie that I am, um, I love that because it's so Did you so, read it? Oh yeah, and I own it. You it's on the, the back shelf. Yeah. Yeah, it's sitting it's sitting right back here. Yeah. Oh right my there. goodness. Right there. With there it what is. What kind of time? Oh, not recently. I mean, I've read it, but just not recently. <laughs> Oh, but it's wonderful. It's yeah. just a wonderful. There's no
0: way. Yeah. I think I stopped reading in like high school kind of. Oof. I mean, I've I've read some things lately more like novels or just fun books like the Allegiant series or yeah. Hunger Games or yeah. I don't know, Gone Girl, Girl on a Train, some yeah. of those. Yeah. I haven't those. read any of those. Um, but that was mainly cuz I was board and i'm like people talk about <laughs> these and i'll i'll read these just yeah. to see what what's in there um and i wanted to i wanted to read the books of the hunger games and like, yeah because the books were actually better than the movies that was one of those yeah that the books you better you
1: get movies. a lot you get a lot because it's all from katniss per, katniss's perspective is it katniss's yeah. or katniss? katniss katniss perspective um because you get all of her self-doubt and all of her not really understanding oh, yeah. what's happening around her. And obviously you don't get that in the movies. I mean, the movies were great. They did a really good job translating them uh, to film. But they, they can't hold a candle to those books.
0: Um, one that we probably both read would be Frank Peretti series. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, piercing
0: the Darkness, piercing This the d- Present Darkness, yes. the, Oath. the Oath. The Oath, I would say, is one of the more formative books. If we're talking about ones that kind of shaped my understanding of things. Yeah. Uh the oath was really really good. Um Ooh, the if, pro- the prophet was the, the other one. The yeah. prophet was excellent. Yeah. I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the one where like a guy was claiming to be Jesus? Oh yeah, that uh, one was really good. I can't remember the title. Oh, I can uh, see the cover. Yes. I, it's
1: like that fire kind of yeah, orange. Oh, the crap. guy
0: There's even like a mock crucifixion thing going on. It was was a really, really good, well thought out, really, really great. Where this guy was basically, you thought Peretti was like bringing Jesus into the modern day where this guy was claiming to be Jesus and he's going around, he's doing these things and people are amazed and and I'm like, oh, he's doing like a modern Jesus take. And then you find out... It takes a really dark turn. Yeah, this guy actually has other motives and how how dare you believe that Jesus right, would come back right. and and
1: actually that that was the first book people loved i mean peretti was like
0: we're going to get everybody telling us what yeah, this
1: book is but peretti it's it's like the the it's not the call but it's something like that it's it's the we do this show it's live it's something we don't i know everything. i know but um there were a lot of charismatic people that took major issue with that book up until that point, Frank Peretti was slowly and surely, but surely, becoming basically the Christian version of Stephen King. Yeah. Um. And and was just and even even, uh, in mainstream media, was getting a lot of the visitation. The visitation. Yes, yes. Yes. All right. There you but go. But when he released that one, because he he pointed out a lot of the excesses, of, the, of charismatic movements and kind of called them out, um, in terms of. Taking signs over substance, not yeah. that there was anything wrong with the signs, <laughs> but that they were they were pursuing signs over substance. And that's where so many of the people in the book get led astray. And he really took some heat for that. Um, and it was interesting for me because but that was a valid point. to Yeah, make. Like, without a doubt. Of the things and he did I, it well. He wasn't like insulting or, or belittling in any way. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that was just one of the things that really struck me.
0: It's like, yeah, we are looking for a particular thing. The Mm -hmm. Bible tells us how Jesus is going to come back and that there will be people coming in his name, or saying right. that they are Jesus, and we need to know what we're looking for. And and there were signs along the way that this dude was not who he says he yeah. was, yeah. but it wasn't totally obvious to the reader, and right. then he flips you on it. Right. And we just ruined the book for some people, but yeah, it's been but out for okay. like 25 years. One of the things that but, I
1: found the most interesting about that was that this guy, every healing that he performed ended up being detrimental to the person that was healed. Like, uh, I remember there was one girl who has a crumpled hand and he heals her. Well, then she starts stealing. Yeah. Uh, There was, there was a, I think there was a guy who had some issue with his eyesight and I forget what his twisted into, but it's like every single healing that happened, even though it cured an actual ailment, ended up twisting that person and being to their to their downfall. That's probably where he took a lot of the heat. Well, but. and it and it wasn't that. It was it was the main character's plot line of him kind of getting exposed to Jesus through the Jesus movement mm-hmm. and how he got disillusioned as a as a I think Pentecostal minister and yeah. ended up being a not in church guy, but still someone who claimed he was like the only one in the town who was first calling this out that it was it was bogus. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it was just that idea of like, you know, a a uh what do you want to call it? Not excommunicated, but a a disillusioned Christian being the one who would actually understand what's happening. I mean, he did. He yeah. took a lot of heat for the, for that that book. But man, it was one of my favorites. It, it was is really very good. good. Um
0: the oath was really good. It just kind of brings to light what happens when you keep secret sin around yeah. and keep keep it covered up yeah the metaphors like,
1: were strong in that one it was
0: really good yeah. like I don't know how, much, how well it holds up now if I were to go back and read it
1: it's still really good I, I've read it I okay. think in the last five years it's still really good yeah but um,
0: I like how you go back and read stuff. I won't even go back and watch movies. So oh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to go miss, back. And you
1: read miss you miss so many details if you if you aren't willing to go back and 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 for me especially books like books are like old friends. Like I love an old familiar book that I know everything that's happening because I I have the same sense of excitement of like. Obviously, I don't have the same drive I did when I hadn't discovered what was happening on the next yeah. page but now it's the anticipation of like i know what's coming and i love but i that, love that anticipation that ruins it for me if oh, i know no. what the hook is if i no. know what the
0: twist is if i know what the big reveal is no. I'm, and and the thing i love about I it, is, do it
1: is finding places in the book where they're pointing to something that's going to happen later and you completely missed it but now that you're reading it for the fourth fifth time you're like oh you're totally giving it away right here yeah. but we don't know these details yet so um but yeah, I love it. I am a I am I am an avid re reader of books. Yeah. And a rewatcher of movies.
0: So the Frank Peretti series did, did a lot. I, I know a lot of people now will say, yeah, uh, he had probably didn't do us a great service as far as spiritual warfare goes and yeah. some of that stuff and I'm like but on the other hand, he was one of the first people to like Bring those topics up, right? And all
1: some people were talking
0: about right. spiritual warfare, well, like they had. And and I think that was before.
1: I think that was the intent of the books. But the problem is, and this is the same problem that I had with people who read the Shack. Like people read the Shack, and they either loved it or hated it. But they loved it or loved or hated it based on the idea that it was somehow a theologically like yes. a theological treatise, and it wasn't. It was it yeah. was fantasy. It was purely fiction, where spiritual themes were used, and and but. On both sides, you saw the people lambasting it because it was heresy. And you saw the people that loved it because, oh, it brought me so much theological understanding. It's like, well, no, that's not what it is. Like, you can get revelation through fiction, but that's not what it is. Like, view it for what it is. And I think the same thing happened with Peretti over the uh, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness uh, books. Because people looked at those books and thought, oh, this is what's actually happening. He's actually – and no, he was – He was using what he knew about spiritual warfare from Scripture and said, I'm going to put this into a a fictional context to give people a a view. Um, But yeah, I loved those books as a kid. I read them very young.
0: So then I think it would have been middle school or high school when I read like Lord of the Flies. You probably read that one. Yeah, I've never read
1: Lord of the Flies, actually. Oh, man.
0: Never read that one. That one one. is... I mean, I feel like almost everybody's had to read it at some point. Yeah, and it's the
1: benefit of me not being in public school. There were some yeah. things that I missed.
0: The Lord of the Flies. Uh, what was the other one that I was thinking? Uh, oh, Animal. I read 1984. Did you read?
1: I have no. read. I read 1984 by choice. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I read that one by choice. It was on a reading list, and I yeah. read it. Um,
1: Which is a horrifying. If you ever want a horrifying take on modern censorship, and control, yeah. read that book. It's horrifying.
0: It's, it's one of the first times that I realized, though, that government institutions often accomplish exactly the opposite of their stated intent.
1: Yeah, without so, a doubt.
0: So uh, the government says they're going to keep everybody safe. So they create yeah. you know, a whole entity that's designed to keep everybody safe. And what it ends up doing is making us less safe. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know,
1: government uh, is terrible at almost everything it does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the IRS is supposed to, or
1: yeah, supposed to create revenue. Oh, but it's an extra government thing. It's not actually government. It's supposed to create revenue. That's the only way it could yet, be legal.
0: We're running all these deficits all the time. Uh,
1: yeah, we, we don't want to go down that road right now because that will be a long <laughs> rant in and of itself. Um, but yeah, love the Peretti, Peretti stuff growing up. Um, when he started targeting like the teenage market, I kind of lost. I lost. Yeah. Track with him. I agree. Like, what was that one? The hang, Hangman's, Hangman's Hangman's Curse. Hangman's Curse. Like, yeah, I didn't read any of those. Um, I I started with his like stuff that was made for adults when I was like eleven, ten, twelve years old. Yeah. And so I had no interest in reading dumbed down Frank Peretti for me. Um, I was I was good with with what he had uh, what he had done there. Um. Let's see what else. What else was really formative for me? Anything else that was?
0: Anything in middle school or high school that you? that you either had to read? Well, again,
1: I, I didn't have massive reading lists due to the nature of what my education was, yeah. but I was reading constantly.
0: One of my one of my <sighs> favorite books, uh, Mark Twain, A Connecticut Yankee, in yeah. King Arthur's Court. Yeah. That was awesome. I, it was an unexpected find for me. I ran across it, and I just started reading it. And yeah. I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a good one. Fantastic. I'm trying
1: to remember if I've ever actually read the book. I've seen adaptations of that book, but okay. I don't know if I've ever actually read the original Story, But I love the concept. I just love that idea of a a modern person being dropped into a weird era of time and actually exposing the oddities of being yeah. dropped in that time. Because so often time travel stuff is just like, and you're in the 16th century and everything is normal and everybody speaks your language and you're good. And, yeah. and you don't talk about those odd social faux pas and the things that just don't occur to you, you know? <laughs> like that Martin Lawrence movie Black oh, Knight or whatever. Yes, yes, I think that was kind of a rip off. Of that It was one of those random adaptations. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. But you read like Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer. Oh yeah, yeah, all yeah. Those. And those were okay. those were required reading. Yeah. Yes, I
1: read those. Yeah. Um,
0: Which is amazing that people are taking those out of school. Uh, and and also, uh, oh, what was the other? Um, Atticus Finch, come on.
1: What uh, the? Oh yeah. Mockingbird. Uh, to kill a mockingbird. To murder. kill a mockingbird. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's How that's, do I remember the character? Yeah, <laughs> I <on> the know. <laughs> that's that's my thing. Is like I, I genuinely believe that. Schools should be the places where dangerous books are. Yeah. Like you should have. What's up? I don't know.
0: Something just banged in the other room. I was trying to figure out what. Oh, uh, my
1: son may be up. It could be. But that's okay. He's locked in his room. Don't think of me as a terrible parent. I have a two-year-old who will literally wander the house if he wakes up in the middle of the night. If he's locked in his room, he'll play in his room and eventually go back to bed. So, and there
0: is a communication device. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: I can hear him if anything bad happens. So for those of you who are judging me, I don't care.
0: But I have the back, my back to the door, so I'm a little jumpy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I can see. I'm with you. All right. I'm with you. Um, <clears throat> what were you we saying? Oh, yeah. Schools should be the place where dangerous books are available and available to anyone. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are certain age-appropriate things you want to do. But by the time you hit high school, I think you should pretty much have access to any book you wish to read yeah. uh, through your school and through your school library.
0: And it, it, goes, it goes back to my thing. Like, burning books is never good. Never. And, and so uh, bringing, bringing someone's ideas to light... Yeah. Is one of the best ways to deal with bad ideas. Right. If you if you say, "Wait, wait, we can't have this book anywhere near here. We got to get it out of here. We can't have the kids reading it." First thing the kids want to do is read it, and they're wondering why it's so powerful. Of course. Oh, this thing must be powerful because they're trying to stamp it out. Everything that gets, tries to get stamped out, people are like, "Oh, this must be powerful. I need to go read it and right. find out what it's about." And now you're empowering the very idea that you right. tried to push out. Things and, always get smaller always when they my hit the thing air. With like, the alt-right or, like, white supremacists. Let him speak. The best way to make Richard Spencer look like a fool is listen him to him speak. talk. And Absolutely. Like, come on, this guy sounds like a moron. Absolutely. If he gets behind a mic and he starts talking and
1: you're worried that he might gather a few converts, yeah. he's
0: only going to gather the idiots well, and, and then like, you'll know where to find Well, him. And that's
1: like, and it's been a long time. And, I, again, I was very young when I read it, but, like, I've read Mein Kampf. Yeah. And you read this and you think, this guy is delusional. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy stuff that is in this. There is nothing about it where you just think to yourself, this is completely rational and I agree with it. Like, it just yeah. is not there. And I, I It takes an irrational mind to find those things rational. I don't
0: think that <laughs> you take away the idea by stamping no. it out. No. You take away an idea by bringing it to light, yeah. debating it, if you and take, getting rid if you, of it. If
1: you try to hide an idea, that means people will fight to seek it out. Yeah. Uh, it, it becomes a treasure hunt of sorts, and and we always do that with the wrong thing, and make something yeah. a, a need to be discovered as opposed to oh available and disinteresting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I am completely with you there. That kind of information needs to be available. Um, books that have disappointed me. You mentioned the divi- the di- Divergent, Divergent series. series yeah. um, I loved the first book. Thought it was phenomenal. I got a half. No, probably a quarter way through the second, and I was done. It got so teen angsty by that second book. I was just done. I had no, I didn't even care what happened to well, any of the characters anymore. You were be disappointed
0: the way the series ended. No, out.
1: no, I actually had Kayla tell me how it ended the other day because I'm like, how did that end, by the way? And she finally told me, I was like, yeah, I knew it was going to be that or that. So, you know, no big deal.
0: To me, the whole first book, and they don't reveal it, but I figured out that they were in a very small location. Yes. And I'm like, this isn't even a whole city. Yeah. How many people are there? And I'm doing yeah. the math in my head. I'm like, there's not enough people. Yeah. This this is a closed community. Yeah. And I had all of that by the end of the first book. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, this is a closed community. What is happening here? What are they actually taking? What are they looking for? And so that's what got me through the second book is that right. I, I was trying to quantify... Put some boundaries on what was happening right. and who the real players were, and right. so I got through the second book just fine. And the third book was massively disappointing because I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this is where we went and again, with it. And again, like, I didn't,
1: I didn't get that far, but I didn't care. You know, the I, first I book was good, all.
0: but I think the closer in you were to the situation, the better it looked. And then yeah. as you zoomed further and further out, you're like, ah, this is not very yeah. well put together. And the
1: movies were really bad. Oh, the movies were terrible. Really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really, really disappointed with that series. That might be the only series of books I've ever been disappointed with. Um, I've had books that I've just been bored to tears with and I couldn't like, finish. Like a lot of Jane Austen books. I'm sorry. She's a phenomenal no, I writer. Read any of them. But I can't, I can't handle people just standing around talking and nothing happening. I don't like Jane Austen movies, you know, for the same reason. Nothing. Oh, I don't know. Nothing I like, happens. Uh,
0: uh Pride and Prejudice quite a bit. See, that's that that's, one of, our that's one of the biggest we ones. Dating.
1: You know what I you know what I hate? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Pride and Prejudice? Yeah, the Brit- the the British miniseries version? No, the Kier Knightley one. See, no, I didn't like that one because I I've seen the British miniseries version and that's really really good. The <laughs> BBC uh version of it has Colin Firth and um who else is in it? Uh Yeah, Colin Firth plays Mr. Darcy, and he's brilliant. I mean, he's brilliant in almost everything he does. And there's a a gal in it that played Elizabeth that I don't... But no, um, I was thinking of Sense and Sensibility. Okay. I hate that movie. And it's got a great cast. Uh, uh, Kate Winslet is in it. Um, What's-his-name that played in... uh, That just died here recently, British guy, was in uh, Galaxy Quest, was in the Harry Potter series...
0: Two things I have no point
1: was, of was the, for. Was uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham in the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie? Another thing. Why I can don't I know. not? Uh, <laughs> Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Go. Brilliant actor. Brilliant actor. Great, great film. But in, in terms of the quality In the Robin the caliber. Hood
0: series, I've seen the cartoon version uh, yes. and I've seen Men in yes. Tights. That's but he's, <laughs> he,
1: again, a phenomenal cast of, of actually British people. But the reason I hate Sense and Sensibility yeah. uh, Emma Watson. It's in that as well. A brilliant cast. I hate it because there's no soundtrack. Every bit of music that is actually featured in that movie is music that is happening around huh. them. There's no underlying soundtrack. There's no. It is just the most boring, mind-numbing thing to watch in the world because there's no music giving more emotion to what's happening the only other
0: movie that i can think of that was like that was the king's speech it
1: didn't i've not seen that film
0: oh really yeah
1: how do we get into film on this i know i think he's brilliant but i've i've not seen that i watched
0: that in theaters it
1: was awesome
0: like you could you could hear like the radiators kick on in the room yeah there was no ambient sound at all like yeah i i don't know radiators what were the it was like the hot water system yeah for i the, think that's right okay that's, that's what right. they're called yeah. yeah i don't know but yeah but yeah it was it was super good because they they wanted to get the sound of of what was happening right and the whole thing was about his speech impediment and mm-hmm. him trying to make an address and and the talking and listening to people talk and so they took out all there was no soundtrack yeah and i'm like that was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. <laughs> like, but it was awesome. Like, yeah, it, it was very well done.
1: I'll have to. I'll definitely have to make it Crap, a point. Now to we're on movies, but that's okay because that's that's where you end up when you go to books. Because mostly the things that have disappointed me have not been books themselves. It's been the movie adaptations of books that have disappointed now, me. Now
0: I've never watched the movies <laughs> of Gone Girl or Girl on a Train.
1: Now which one was Gone Girl?
0: That's the one that's right behind you, Gillian Flynn. Um. And that's the girl that disappears and And her husband is the suspect her husband is the main suspect for the murder. I have not
1: read this book. But Kayla, no, 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 you don't have to tell me because I guessed it. Kayla was telling me Kayla told me like she was like three or four chapters in and my sister had read the book. Hillary had read the book. And so Kayla was telling me, and I told Kayla, I said, I know what happens in the end. And she's like, No, you don't. Kayla's like, No, there's no way you know. And so I said, I'm gonna go talk to Hillary and I'm gonna tell her what I think happens. And then she's going to tell me whether or not I'm right. And then at the end, she can tell you whether or not. So I went up to my sister. I said, okay, here's what's going on. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And in the end, we're going to find out this is what's actually going on. And she went, yep, you're right. And I was like, thank you very much. Just I, from I, the title? No, no, no. From Kayla describing like the first two or three chapters to me. Uh, she was talking me through a bit of it. I was like, oh, no, I know where this is going. Absolutely. But again, I, I think and I watch movies and, and the funny thing is, I'm a terrible strategic chess player. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. But I think that way when I'm processing information coming at me. So movies, uh, books, I'm constantly trying to think, what's happening next? Where's this leading you? Did me, you figure out the, end the
0: Allegiant game? series then at all? Then the first book?
1: I, I knew I I didn't get into the I, I knew what you were talking about. i had, I'd assumed that, but mostly I was focusing on the characters, what was gonna ah, happen to them. Okay. And and I called it, I had a fifty-fifty shot, I said one of two things was gonna happen, and one of those two things did happen. Um so yeah, I one of the only books that's completely surprised me was uh The Giver.
0: I read that, but I can't remember yeah, it anything is, about it.
1: Of all the dystopian uh Books that, that I've read. There's
0: an old guy up yeah. on a mountain.
1: Kind of like yeah, that Shoot. kind of stuff.
0: Now I don't remember. But any either part way, of that it is book. it
1: is the most disturbing dystopian uh, picture I've ever I've ever read. Which that makes sense. Don't overanalyze it, because it seems so picturesque and so perfect. It's not like 1984 where the whole time you're like, there's something wrong. There's yeah. something wrong here. Um, you, you assume that there's something going on, but when you actually see what's really happening, it's incredibly dark. And you're like, how is everyone in this society okay with this? Like They think this is okay and normal. You know
0: what? I don't think I ever finished the game. Oh,
1: you need to read it. And it's a whole series, which ne- I didn't know. Um, uh-huh. I've only ever read the first book. I haven't read any of the other parts, bits and pieces. But that book blew my mind and, and totally surprised me in where it went. Um, yeah. Which, again, is is a rarity for me. And I'm not saying that with any swelled head. It's just the way my brain works.
0: I'm trying to think. Any other books that were like really formative for me? As a kid I read Hatchet. Did you read Hatchet? I
1: know I never have. And I've okay. always had, it. had people tell me I should read it, but I've never read it.
0: Uh, I think my mom read it to us. Yeah. My mom would pick up books and read them
1: yeah, like the whole crew of us. Yeah, that's what my dad did back yeah. in the day. He read, he read us the uh, the Tarzan series, like the actual <laughs> really? Edgar Rice Burroughs, like the real deal. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, the the first one especially is really really cool. There's like four of them that are great, and then they start getting into weird, you know, Tarzan versus the Ant Men, Tarzan versus the Men from Mars. Like, it started getting into some weird, you know, Never. graphic novels before it was. But Never I'll actually I'll that. have to see I'll have to see if I have. The, the Tarzan series here still, because I genuinely think, even if it's just toilet reading, because let's be honest, that's what we all do. We'll be real honest. That's what we do. Um, I think you would tear up that first book, especially. It's it's pretty intriguing, pretty good.
0: Yeah. Um, was there any books that you just, like, you said a couple that disappointed you. Was there any yeah. that you hated?
1: Oh, man, let me think. <laughs> I again. I had books that I just couldn't get through. Okay. You know, even books that people loved. And I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not thinking of anything in particular right now. Oh, I, there was a there was a girl uh, that I dated once that gave me uh, there was a, a philosopher named Derrida. Uh, I think he was French, and she just thought he was the greatest thing in the world and just deep and profound. And she gave me one of his books. I'm like, this guy is vapid and annoying. Like there was nothing in it that. I thought was deep or not just like cyclical or using words that made it sound deep. But when you actually considered the meaning of those words, it wasn't deep at all. And again, I I don't know if it was just the headspace I was in at the time, but everything I read from him, I was like, eh. I I considered him less spectacular than he was touted to be. In the line
0: of philosophy, one of the ones that I've really enjoyed lately was Anti-Fragile by Nicholas Nassim Taleb. Okay. Have you ever read this book? No. It's, it's his idea that there there isn't a word in the English langu- language for something that gets stronger by being, when you come at it, it gets stronger. Okay. Anti-fragile. So basically, um, what is that mythical sea creature where you cut off one of its heads? Yeah, and it grows the hydra. Two? Hydra. The hydra, yeah. So the hydra would be the symbol for anti-fragility. So okay. he's talking about e- economic systems and social systems and other things like that, and <clears> that, <throat> that the goal is not just to be uh, stable or, you know, too big to fail kind of thing, right. but you want something that's small enough, agile enough. And so that when something, when adversity comes or like something that happens outside the norm, that those, you want to be the person that grows yeah. in times of adversity and yeah. not, you know, just makes it through or, you know, isn't fragile, you Yeah. Know? So anyway, it's very it's a very good book. Uh, He did another one called Black Swan, which I was thinking of Black Swan a lot during the Trump election. Yeah. And the Black Swan, he he says everybody his concept with the Black Swan is that a Black Swan is never seen ahead of time a black swan event it's usually an event that's totally unforeseen and after it happens everybody can explain to you how it happened yeah or why it happened and in hindsight 2020 we see can it. all explain yeah. it but no one sees it coming and nobody can tell you and his main if you follow taleb at all his main beef is with economists Okay. And that economists are like weathermen in that they're not even great about telling you what's <laughs> going to happen ten days from now or two days from now, but they're complete experts on how we got here right, and why course. things happen, like the thunderstorm last week or whatever, or like the stock market went up or it went down, and they can explain all this to you. And he's like, they know nothing. Yeah. They know absolutely nothing. And he can, he's, but his whole thing with the black swan, and he gets into a lot of different events, and he's like you you will never see these things coming, but yeah. they happen all the time. yeah and and uh, the Trump election was one of those. yeah, and I'm like I when I was reading this book, I'm like, what is it got me going in my head. I'm like, what where is the next Black Swan moment gonna happen where everybody's sure of one thing and right. then it, it doesn't. doesn't happen. And I had that weird feeling about that election in 2016. Yeah. I just had this feeling, I'm like, we're driving through Western PA and there's nothing but Trump signs. I'm like, we're in like union country yeah. and steel country. And I'm like, I'm looking around. I don't see Hillary signs. I'm like, something feels wrong. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, I remember, I remember the same, having the say same what thing you want
0: about Trump and Hillary. Yeah. But like,
1: yeah, I was driving, I was driving to, um, <clears throat> were we driving to Florida? And I'm driving through all these areas just like that. And, of course, the, more, the less rural you got mm-hmm. and the more you got into cities, you'd start seeing some divergence in that. But the interesting thing to me about, and that was the thing, that was the very thing where I started to go, there might actually be hope for this dude to win, was, was when I would get to urban areas and I would start seeing Hillary signs and Trump signs.
0: Okay. And, yeah, and, and, then,
1: and then, did I say urban or rural just now? I don't know. I think I misspoke. Either way, it was urban areas is what I meant. Um, I'd, and I'd see a mix. But then as I got into more rural, all I was seeing was Trump signs. Yeah. So it wasn't all Trump, all Hillary. It was all Trump, mix. All Trump, mix. And I thought to myself, and I remember commenting to Kayla on the drive. I'm like, this is weird. Like I, Of all, the, all of the presidential cycles I've been through, I've never seen this kind of consistency of one candidate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really intriguing. Really it's diverse, interesting that you mentioned but
0: that. I, I do. Um, we like, do that. That's like what we do. I, I read. I read Taleb mainly because one of my friends is into him, and and so I was like, oh, I should. Just check it out, read it. And plus I don't mind reading
1: somebody that I disagree with. Yeah. And it if out.
0: there's something in there that I disagree with, I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, that's a weird idea. I always idea. say I have a real good but, flush
1: button. Yeah. So if I don't like it, it can just go away. Yeah. It's all good. I,
0: I have that <laughs> weird tangent number four of this episode. <laughs> but I have that for bad words in movies. Nice. Like, I seriously don't remember that that movie had language. And then, and then you then watch I'll, it with, like, your I'll, parent you know, or I'll like something. I'll, go and... tell people this was a great movie. So, like, I've had to really put on, like, a movie filter oh, and yeah. be like, wait, was there bad language in that movie? Because I, I don't remember. Yeah. I have to look it up before I recommend because yeah. I would oh, have my. no idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, <laughs> my wife had a disappointing experience with that. Oh. She had the whole... <laughs> Whole drama team from our Bible college together, and they were just chilling. She's like, "We," should, and this was way back in the day because I've been married like 14 years, so they're still Blockbuster. <laughs> and so she's like, "She's like, you know, we were gonna go to Blockbuster and rent something. What should we get?" And I, I told her, I'm like, "Oh, I just watched this movie. It's pretty funny." I'm like, "You should go get Office Space." Oh no! <laughs> she sat down and watched Office Space with the. With all these kids from Bible oh my college, gosh. and she's like, we had to shut it off halfway through. She's like, <laughs> wanting to reach through the phone and choke me, and I'm like, I'm like, wait, was there like language in it? She's like, was there language? <laughs> it was really funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, anyway, man. that was a weird tangent. But yeah. But it's yeah. okay. I mean, I, mean I, like, I don't mind. I don't mind reading people that I disagree with. Like, no. Reading Mein Kampf would be the kingpin of that. Yeah. Like, I didn't.
1: I never read it. But it's, it's not it's like a, I it's wouldn't. very intriguing. Getting yeah. a glimpse into the mind of that man It yeah. was a very interesting thing. I
0: read a book on, like, talking about Hitler and like his upbringing, why he did what he did, like oh, yeah. what went into his thoughts and everything. And I cannot, for the life of me remember what that book was, but it yeah. was it was really good. Yeah. Doggun. Why can't I remember? Anyway, yeah. something about the Third Reich. I yeah. can not remember.
1: Yeah. Rise and Fall of the Third Reich is also a really good one. Uh was a was a guy who was a I think he worked for the State Department, uh in a British State Department and was in Germany for the rise of Nazis and all the things. And so it's an outsider perspective, but somebody who was in the middle of it. Really interesting book. Really thick. I mean yeah. Yeah, that's that's it right there. I mean, it's ah, a, there we go. It's a hefty yep, old the school. Rise and fall third Did rise. you hear that? <laughs> that <laughs> there it the goes. On its edge, down on the table. being put on the table. <coughs> but uh yeah, that was that was a really interesting one. Hard to get through because uh, it's it's just a really long read. But oh, really um, worth reading. I may
0: have mentioned this before, but the man who was it? What's it called? Um the Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against uh,
1: LBJ. LBJ and, is a and Her- Herbert fantastic Hoover. Fantastic books. Yeah. Not Herbert Stone? Hoover. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover.
0: It, uh, yeah. Roger Stone wrote it, I think. Yeah, I think he did. So good.
1: The um, only thing I have a problem with is his incorrect assessment of the ballistics of Kennedy being assassinated. Because there are a lot of things that he got wrong uh, with whatever ex- experts he talked to about. Either
0: way, if you read that book and don't, End up coming away loving Robert Kennedy. I uh, don't know how you did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we missed out on a lot by not having that man as president. Yeah, we really have, did. He would have done a great job. Really with, did. I hope Yeah. Or and and wish. I I honestly think, I honestly think had those two Kennedys lived, yeah. we would have a completely different political landscape in the United States than we do currently.
0: Um, what it, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of the book. I think it was called The Paranoid. Oh, States
1: of America. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a book that was severely disappointing. There was a book that I I picked up on, uh, on on my Kindle called "The War on Cops," and it was supposed to be a narrative on the current narratives about about police brutality okay. and all these different things, and it was just it was. So mind-numbing because it just repeated the same like four statistics over and over. I made it through like three chapters. and I'm like, I'm done with this woman. Like the yeah. woman who wrote this, it was just awful. It was an awful book.
0: The one of the best ones if you're into conspiracy theories and some of you mm. guys maybe if you listen to our first two episodes or so, uh, the United States of Paranoia, mm. a conspiracy theory, it's called. Okay, um, there it is on Amazon. But it's a good rundown of the history of conspiracy theories yeah, and, and how they come about, how they come up. And one of the best chapters in there was where it was talking about the, uh, what was that called? Um, not the Red Scare, but in the, in the 80s, uh, it was like uh, where they were after, everybody was after like, um, devil worshiping the devil Oh yeah scare. The, the, like, no
1: no no the uh, the satanic panic the satanic yeah panic, that I just like, I printed out that uh, all the information that, not printed out but I downloaded the uh, the google doc from where that woman that you retweeted Oh, okay. That she shared. I actually downloaded all yeah. that. And I'm going to print it out and look through it. Because, yeah. yeah, go ahead, though. Go ahead. The though. satanic
0: panic was complete. Like, that That made it so far into Christian culture. Yeah. And still hasn't been totally no. fleshed out from my parents' no. generation. Like people were freaked. And And it was garbage. It was all garbage. All of it was garbage. And Mike Warnke was found out to be a total fraud. And I want to say that now so that everybody, if you know the name Mike Warnke, he is a fraud and anything associated with him was wrong. Yeah. Like it was so bad.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing the things that have held on even now as a result of that. And, you know, I'm not
0: saying there aren't Satanists or there aren't, uh, the occult isn't real or anything like right. that, but it isn't what, yeah. And you read you read that book uh, in, uh, that I just mentioned, and I closed my phone and I yeah, can't yeah, remember yeah. its title, but United States of Paranoia, I think it is. Yeah. And um, they were talking about how people got into this thing about kidnappings. That's when the kidnappings thing became Mm -hmm. so huge because it was part of the satanic panic and they were worried that people were kidnapping kids to use in human sacrifice. And this was a real thing. That's when the milk carton uh, thing started where you're putting people's faces on milk cartons. And then what they give some awesome statistics in there, but kidnapping the way that it was thought about at the time didn't really happen at all. Right. Most, most kidnapping stats that you look at are mainly weird custody disputes like mm-hmm. where a dad loses custody right. goes in takes the kids leaves that's kidnapping right yes is that a problem yes, yes. but it's a different kind of problem right. than strangers opening up a van taking a kid and offering them right. for child sacrifice right. that's a right. little that's not what was happening yeah. people
1: yeah and i remember but you Tipper
0: know gore Tipper yeah. Gore made her entire political career off of it.
1: Sorry, my uh, mother just tried to call us or me, go. but she hung up real quick, so I think she did it unintentionally. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, I already <laughs> spent the day with her, so we're yes. good. <laughs> that was like clearly a butt dial because she hung up real quick. But yeah, that and uh, I don't know if you ever read like the "He Came to Set the Captives Free." Re, uh, Doctor Rebecca Brown. Nope. Uh, she had a whole series about, and it was that kind of stuff, you know that you know, pulling people out of Satanism that were, you know, brides of Satan, all kinds of things. And it's extremely detailed and horrifying, but she ended up, you end up finding out she's a complete fraud as well. I mean, in, huh. in every respect. Um, but yeah, it that, that was an interesting, an interesting yeah. season. Uh, and, and, and of course we caught it later. I mean, it was, it was the nineties, early two thousands when it was still, still hitting yeah. us. You know,
0: information traveled so weird in the '80s. Like you would have tapes that were passed around, and it was through like radio and tapes. And and it it actually took a lot
1: more time for something to come out as false because of the way it was passed around. That's one of the benefits of the internet. It's it's become much more readily available to find out what is true and what is not. And what's crazy is like
0: some of those weird. guys that went around saying stuff about the satanic panic and they were big experts on this. Yeah. Like one of them held a meeting and gave out a tape or something like that. That was taken by, um, what was their names at Ruby Ridge? Yeah, uh, yeah, their yeah, last yeah. name I can't remember. Yeah. Weavers, the yeah. Weavers. Yes, yes. they w- they got one of this dude's tapes, and it was one of the reasons that they wanted to move out in the middle of nowhere. And like that, it was tied into Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And then you get all those conspiracies on top of each other. Jeez. I'm like, this like the book did a really good job of doing it in a short period of time. But yeah. after that, I read a good book on uh, UFOs and, <laughs> and uh, Area 51. That was yeah. The real story of Area 51 and, and like what, what we know that we know about what yeah. happened there. And that. that was a lot of fun. But we've gone a long <laughs> yeah, time we've in gone, this And we've gone
1: on into <laughs> weird realms. But yeah. Um, so let's just end with uh, what, are, what are some books? We already said a couple, but let's give two books that you recommend. And it can even be ones you've already said, but you would say go out and read this book if you haven't read it.
0: Um, yeah, the United States of paranoia. I think that people should read it I'm and understand. Yeah, and yeah. understand the conspiracies and and where they come from and the narratives because it even goes back to like the founding of the country and like the the conspiracies that were out there about Native Americans, yeah. some of which persisted for one hundred and fifty years. Yeah, yeah, like all of those things. It's 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 a really good read. Okay, um, I just said the man who killed Kennedy. That that was a really good book. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, though, in like, I don't know, some sort of spiritual formation. For me, like um, a lot of C.S. Lewis's yeah. books, um, you cannot go wrong. If yeah. you're trying to explore matters of faith and you haven't covered the writings of Lewis, you have to do it. Yeah. Um, Mere Christianity is fantastic because it was a radio right. series first, and so it's very much like spoken Conversational, dialogue. yeah. And um, I think it was the, is it The Weight of Glory? Yeah, which is the one where he's on the train and he goes to paradise. That's not *Weight of Glory*. Uh, what is that? Uh, I can't remember. But that is a fantastic book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: I know what you're. T- I, I can't. I can't picture the title.
0: Basically, Lewis has a way of describing <clears throat> heaven in that book that I've never heard described anywhere yeah. else. But it makes more sense than anything I've yeah. ever
1: heard. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, he has a way of taking something that we think and just bringing it down. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, one that I would def, I mean, I would, I would echo Lewis. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. he's just he's phenomenal. Um, I I really like uh, Surprised by Joy, which is basically his spiritual biography. Actually, it's just kind okay. of his autobiography a little bit. Um, and it's just really cool I to hear. It's really cool to hear how he came to faith. Uh, I think he describes himself as coming into the kingdom kicking and screaming because yeah. it wasn't what he wanted, but He just couldn't logic himself away from it anymore. Um, So that's really good. It's kind of his spiritual journey. Um, Another one that I would recommend is uh, there's a book out there called In the President's Secret Service. And it is ex-secret service members talking about their experiences with individual presidents. And I believe it starts with Kennedy. Kennedy. And and goes through the Obama administration, unless it's been revised since then. The Obama administration in the president's service in the president's secret service. Okay, and uh, it's just really really cool because they don't they don't they don't comment on policy. It's it's not a political book. It is purely about here are the things we witnessed working with closely associating with this president. Um, they you know interesting things about about personality. Uh, you know they 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 loved. Uh, you know they liked kennedy a lot but had a lot of problem with the liaisons and things that they had to set up for him yeah. uh they lbj was a f- high functioning lunatic and they really go into that um you know there's not a whole lot to tell about you know your fords you know nixon there's there's stuff in there about him uh carter uh, a lot of really horrible stuff about carter that you know we're opposite <laughs> that of his you would image never know. yeah um but they like they loved bill clinton couldn't stand hillary uh Loved Ronald Reagan, couldn't stand Nancy, uh, loved both of the Bushes, I'm sorry, yeah, both of the Bushes, uh, but really loved, uh, uh, who was George W., who was George W.'s wife? Laura? Uh, Laura. Like, lo- I mean, went on and on about Laura. Loved the Obamas, talked about what great family unit like they were. I still Laura Bush
0: a lot. Yeah. She's, she's a classy lady.
1: She's a classy lady. But talked, uh, talked about the Obamas, the family unit. They were really positive. Person- so it's really a cool insight to get into the presidency, uh, yeah. people who literally live with them during their entire uh, tenure as, as the as the first family. Yeah. Really cool book, though, uh, is In the President's Secret Service. Um and I guess lastly, is there one other thing? Oh, dovetailing off of C.S. Lewis because I wanted to give something original since you took Lewis okay. from me. Uh, violently took him from my hands. <laughs> uh, Lord Falgren's Letters by, I think, Randy Alcorn. Okay. It was, it's a retelling of... Uh <laughs> What was that C.S. Lewis book where he was del- uh, the letters from the demons back and forth? Screw tape letters. Screw tape letters. letters, yes. So Lord Falgren's letters takes it and I will admit, does it a little bit better. So it's like a sequel, the way the guy runs it, because he references Wormwood and Screw Tape. He references back okay. to those, the, char- the the demon characters in this. But Lord Falgren is the, the guy who has replaced, uh, I think, Screw Tape after everything has gone south for him. And, uh, and he is doing the same thing where he's writing about how to distract this person, how to uh, basically assure their way to hell. But then it's every other chapter is you reading the story of the person. So the first chapter is the demon talking about what they're going to do. The second chapter, you're actually seeing this man's life play out and how those interactions happen yeah. in his real life. And then they go back and forth between those two narratives. Really, really cool. Again, I love screw tape letters, but, uh, Alcorn took it one step further and, and kind of kicked it up a notch. So Lord Falgrid's Letters and In the President's Secret Service would be my two recommendations.
0: And Surprised by Joy.
1: Yes, and Surprised by Joy. Great book. Great yeah. book. All right. I think we have more than adequately filled up your time.
0: We could, Yeah, we could probably do two podcasts on books.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe we have to read a little more. Oh, my goodness. Talk yes. about them.
1: Yes. All right. But, uh, guys, as always, thanks for joining us. Uh, and, yeah, give us your recommendations, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Recommendations for books, things that you've loved, things that you've hated, things that you've hated that you think we'd love, things that you've loved that we think we've hated. You know, any of that. We'll take it all. But, uh, yeah, as always, this has been The Things We Say. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward technical direction is provided by sheldon stouffer you can subscribe to the things we say on soundcloud and itunes don't forget to like us on facebook at the things we say podcast to keep the conversation going this has been the things we say see you next time